Hello, this is Evangelist Valerie Laurie coming to you with Proclaiming the Word of God. So happy to be able to be here with you today, and we wanted to do another podcast, and we are a little bit behind on what we do, so we're going to do a Bible study, and we're going to be coming out of the sixth chapter of Matthew, the sixth chapter of Matthew, and we're going to be taking a look at some of the concepts that Jesus taught on his Sermon on the Mount. Here it is that the multitudes have heard about Jesus And they've come out to listen at him speak. And so then that sixth chapter of Matthew, let's look at some of the concepts that Jesus was teaching. So if you can imagine being at a concert or being at a a major sporting event or any anywhere there where the person who's speaking is popular. Well, we have the savior here and He is speaking and people have come out to hear him because he's speaking a word that they have never heard before. And he's teaching and he's got power. And so let's take a look at some of the concepts that he was teaching on this day at the Sermon on the Mount. So let's look at Matthew chapter six, starting at verse one. And it reads like this. It says, take heed that you do not your arms before men. To be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward. Of your father which is in heaven. Therefore when thou doest thine arms. Do not sound a trumpet. Before thee as the hypocrites do. In the synagogues. And in the streets. That they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you. They have their reward. So what Jesus is talking about here. Is that whatever good you're going to do to help humanity, do what you're going to do and do it out of the goodness of your heart. And don't do good things for people just to get accolades and pats on the back about look how good he is or look how good she is. She's given to the poor. He's given to the poor. What God wants us to do is when we're going to do good deeds, don't get up and put people on blast that you did it. Do what you're going to do. And and don't sound a trumpet about it. Don't tell everybody that you did it. But just do what you're going to do to help somebody. He says that it's better that we don't let uh, our left hand know what our right hand is doing. So that means you don't have to go put stuff on blast when you do it. Because when you do things to help other people, God sees what you're doing. And what God sees you do in secret God will reward you when you're doing good things in secret. God is going to reward you openly. So that's the concept that he taught about alms. That's the first concept that we look at. And we're not going to read all of this, uh, this whole chapter, but we want to see if we can get through this whole chapter. So let's look at concept number two that he was talking about. So in concept number two, we see him talking about prayer. And a lot of people don't like to pray. Some people just love to pray and they are prayer warriors. For a prayer warrior, it's not hard to pray. But Jesus is teaching the concept about prayer. And so we find in that fifth verse, let's look at concept number two. Let's talk about prayer. And so Jesus says that he talks about when you pray, he says, don't be like hypocrites. He said, this is what, this is the way hypocrites pray. He says in that fifth verse, he says, and when thou prayest, 
Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, amen, and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto thee, they have their reward, amen. So when you pray, Jesus says, he talked about how hypocrites do it, and I'm going to tell you how some people pray. Oh, thou great and mighty God. Oh, Lord, a few of your humble children have come before your presence. We gathered here one more time. And then when you hear them the next time, oh, thou great and mighty God, a few of your humble children are gathered here and we come before your presence. Oh, Lord, we don't know why you do what you do, but God, we know that you do. And then the next time you hear, oh, God, we are gathered together for your humble children. Well, what am I saying? I'm saying this. Jesus is talking about the concept of prayer. And he's talking about how people come together and they want to be seen praying. They want to be standing here, they say, standing in the synagogues, seen of men. But this is what Jesus said. He'll talk a little bit later about the repetitions. Because prayer is a dialogue between you and your heavenly father. And when you have a dialogue with your father, if you had a good, good father, then you just talk to your father just like I'm talking to you now. And so you don't have to come with a whole bunch of vain repetitions. And Jesus says that when you pray, he says in the sixth verse, He says, go into your closet and pray to the father in secret. And the father who sees in secret, just like he said about the arms deeds, what you do in secret, when you pray in secret, God going to reward you openly. Amen. He says, don't try to just get up there and be repetitious. Don't think that you're going to get heard for your much speaking. He says, because your heavenly father He knows what you need even before you ask. And some folks will come to you and they'll say, especially if you are a prayer warrior and you've been praying, they say, will you please pray for me because God hear your prayer. But I want you to know, child of God, God hears your prayer too. Amen. God hears you when you cry. God will hear your prayer just like he heard mine. Don't try to compare yourself when it comes to prayer. Don't try to compare yourself to other folks. You go to your heavenly father just like you are. I don't care if you're a baby and a little bitty child. A little child can pray. Lord, help my parents. A little child can pray. You just go to God just as you are. You be you before God. Don't worry about deacon so-and-so. Don't worry about reverend so-and-so. Don't worry about prophetess so-and-so or prophet so-and-so or apostle so-and-so. You talk to God right where you are and God hears you. He gives them a concept of prayer. Amen. He gives them that concept of prayer. And so go to God just like you are and you're going to see that as you fellowship with God in prayer, you're going to feel a new awakening coming up on the inside of you. You're going to feel a new awareness of God in your life. Hallelujah. You're going to feel God like you never felt him before when you come to him in prayer. That's called fellowship. That's called building our relationship with the Lord. 
Let's look at another concept that he talked about. And in this concept, this is concept number three. And he's talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know, the enemy wants us to not never forgive. Hold grudges. Be mad at people forever. Sometimes people get mad at folks. They don't even remember what they're mad about. They know they're mad about something. But it was so long ago, they should have let it go. But here Jesus is talking about, you need to forgive. Jesus was speaking relevant. Things, things with man, they don't really change. So what was relevant here in the Bible is still relevant now. And he's talking about the concept of forgiveness. So let's look at here in verse number 12. He says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is part of the prayer of the Lord's prayer. And he said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So in this manner of prayer that he's teaching the disciples, that he's teaching the multitudes, that we are to forgive. Now in verse 14, he says, for if you forgive me in their trespasses, and that's a if, because we got a choice to forgive folks. We either can forgive them or we can hold on to grudges. But there's that's an if clause. If you're going to forgive me in their trespasses, it says your heavenly father will also forgive yours. So if you leave the if out and you don't forgive, then we know that God is not going to forgive us. The same way you treat folks is the way you're going to get treated by God. You treat folks good because men are created in the image of God. It's a choice how we live. But the choice is, is that God wants all men to come to him. How are you going to treat folks? If you're going to forgive people, God's going to forgive you. But if you're not going to forgive people, don't expect God to forgive you. Jesus is showing us forth his grace and his mercy. He sent Jesus to the cross. When Jesus died on that cross for your sins and my sins, we weren't clean. We were dirty. We were filthy rags. And he still hung on the cross for you and me. He hung on that cross for you and me. So we, if he can forgive us how we were, then we need to express that same grace and mercy to other people and forgive them. Amen. So let's look at that fourth concept. That fourth concept he's talking about is found in that 16th verse. That fourth concept he's talking about fasting. And so this is what he says to the people. This is what he's saying to the multitudes. He said, moreover, when you fast, be not as hypocrites. I'm at that 14th verse in the sixth chapter of Matthew. He says, of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. But when thou, but thou when, he says, but thou, when thou fasteth, anoint thy head and wash your face. He means get yourself together. Look normal so that nobody really knows what's going on with you. And this is a matter that's between you and God. 
you got this fast thing going on and you undercover because this is a private matter. This is between you and the Lord. He says that in that 18th verse, that thou appearest not unto men to fast, but unto the Father, which is in secret, and the Father, which sees in secret, shall reward thee openly. So here it is, he's saying it again. What the Father sees in secret, he'll reward you openly. Because you're not doing this fast unto men. You're not disfiguring your face and let yourself becoming disheveled. You're looking just like you normally look, looking good. Amen. Because your fast is unto the Lord and it's not unto men. Amen. So he said he said this about fasting. Let's look at that fifth concept that he taught them. And that fifth concept, we see it right here in verse number 19. And here we go with what, what mankind loves. What men love is money. They love treasures. They love riches. They love the good things. It was a song out. Um, it was years ago. I'm O.B., it's a secular song. I'm going to be, it was about a black eyed pea. I'm going to be living that good life. I'm going to be living that good life. And there was a song out called Money, Money, Money. Money, Money, Money. Some people got to have it. Some people really need it. And that was uh, some of the lyrics that were in the song. So Jesus knows where our hearts be sometimes. And what he's trying to teach is the concept that our hearts need to be rich toward God and not have a heart that's rich towards the treasures that are in this world. So let's look and see what he's saying about laying up treasures. And this is the fifth thing he talked about. That 19th verse, he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Where's your heart? There's a girl, there's a commercial on TV. It says, what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? So I guess the question would be, what's in your heart? Is your heart full of the riches and the things of this world but Jesus one thing you never be able to do you can't take that stuff with you when you go so he's talking to him and he says that you look at the things here on the earth they 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 will go bad they will be corrupt thieves will break through and steal when your heart is tied up in all these riches, you worry about somebody coming to get your stuff. You can't take it with you. But Jesus said you need to lay up treasures in heaven. Do the good things. That's when you're laying up treasures. Do the things that God wants. We got to do what God wants us to do. And I put us in there because when the preacher preaches, the preacher teaches, the preacher, whatever the preacher says, the preacher's talking to you. But he's also talking to himself because we all in this boat together. So we got to lay up treasures and we got to lay up treasures in heaven. He says in that 
21st verse, he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So I asked the question, what's in your wallet? Now the question is, what's in your heart? Amen. Got to be rich towards God. Got to be rich towards him. You might not have what, what Bill Gates has or some of the richest people, but I can stop by to tell you that if you got God in your heart, amen, you got peace in your heart, amen, you got love in your heart, hallelujah, you rich, you rich, you got a forgiving spirit, you got a humble spirit, you rich, you can wake up, you're happy. There's some people that wake up, they got all the money in the world. They go buy these things. They go do all this stuff, but they're not happy. You know why? Because we talked about that fellowship. Amen. We talked about that, the good things of God. They don't have that. Amen. They don't have that light shining in them like you as a believer. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at that sixth concept. So, He's talking about light. Amen. You got to be rich towards the things of God. Rich, rich, rich towards the things of God. Now, if we were to be sitting by a light right now, light dispels darkness. Amen. Light dispels darkness. You can go in a dark room. You Recently, we had the power to go off in the city where I live. And the power, when the power went off, it was night. It was so dark, you couldn't even see. Even if you knew your house without having on a, a, a candle or having a flashlight, you couldn't see anything because the lights went out when it was night and it was pitch black. So let's look and see what he says about the eye and light. This is the sixth concept that he's talking about. So he says in that 22nd verse, the light of the body is the eye. So question is, what you looking on? What you been watching? What you been putting before your eyes? Amen. He says, therefore thine, he says, if therefore thine eye be single, meaning is your eye single? Are you looking through the eyes of the Lord? Are you seeing what God sees? Do you see what I see? You remember that song? Do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? Is what God is saying. Do you see what I see? Is your eye single? Are you looking on the good things of God? He says, if your eye is single, he says, thy whole body shall be full of light. Because what you reflect on is going to get in your heart. Amen. So when it's in down in your heart, then your behavior is going, you're going to show forth that glory of God because you've been looking on the good things of the Lord. You've been trying to see it through the eyes of God. You've been following after what God says in his word. Thy eye is single. He says, but if thy eye be evil, so then I look on the things that are in the world. I do what my flesh wants me to do. That's the other choice that you can make. I watch what I want to watch and I let float in my ears whatever I want to float in my ears. Amen. He says, therefore, I'm in that 23rd verse. Therefore, the light that is in thee be darkness. 
So he says, the light that is in thee be darkness. So if you got darkness in darkness, then you just dark. Amen. You just dark. And then he asks a question. He uh, makes a statement, rather. He says, if therefore the light that is in thee be dark, how great is that darkness? We see darkness right now in our world. Amen. The light of the church has to arise. Amen. Those who are doing the walking in the word of God got to arise. We got to shine forth that light. Amen. Because right now what we see in our world is a world that's got an eye, but it's full of darkness. Amen. Hallelujah. That it is not walking with God. Amen. That it is walking with the world, the standards of the world and done put God on the back burner. But how great is that light, which he says is darkness. How dark are you on the inside? How dark, how dark, how dark. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to arise and to stand. He says, but, and let me ask that question one more time. He says, if thy But if thy eye, I'm in that 23rd verse of Matthew 6. But if thine eye be evil, and we see it running rampant, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Hallelujah. So those who stand together with the enemy, they have an eye full of darkness. Amen. And sin runs rapid. Oh, hallelujah. All across the earth, oh God. Oh, but there is a standard. There is a standard of almighty God who is wanting his Christians to rise up and show forth light. Light dispels darkness. Remember when I said that our lights went off in our city here recently and it was in the nighttime that it went out. And you stop and you think about when the when it's dark outside, at least we have the lights that are in our house and we are able to see. But in this situation, it was dark. And even those things that were familiar, that you think about the concept of when the church is raptured out of here and the church is no longer here think about how gross darkness is going to fill the earth here it is that in the bible it's light light dispels darkness so we got to show for our light let's look at what he Jesus taught let's go to concept seven and we find that he's talking in seven about you can't serve two masters. Amen. Hallelujah. You cannot serve two masters. Let's look and see what he says. Let's see how what the multitude was hearing on that day. Can you imagine that a pen, if you could have dropped a pen, sitting up in this place at this Sermon on the Mount, you was outside, but it probably could have heard a pen drop because the word was teaching the word. Jesus Christ was teaching the word. And they said that when Jesus would teach, he didn't teach like scribes and Pharisees because the word, the Messiah couldn't teach like a scribe and a Pharisee because he teaching firsthand knowledge. He ain't teaching something that he heard from somebody. He teaching what he knew because he's been in the presence of almighty God. Amen. So let's look at what he said in verse number 24. And we're talking about concept seven. And we're talking about no man can serve two masters. Amen. So he says in verse 24 of Matthew 6, No man can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Amen. Amen. So I looked up mammon and mammon. One verse uh, in the uh, in the dictionary says is wealth regarded as an evil influence or a false object of worship and devotion. So the concept of a master, when a master is there, the master is the one who directs the shots. If somebody is truly your master, he directs the shots. If God is your master, he directs the shots. If Satan is your master, he directs the shots. Amen. We consider ourselves as believers, as servants of the most high God. God looks at us as his children. He looks at us as his sons and and daughters. And as the concept was taught to us of our fellowship and connection with God in this time they understood what it was to be a servant that means that you serve that you do the bidding of the master but if your concept uh, you understand that concept of doing the bidding of the master if you're tied in with mammon you're tied in with the wealth the influence of others even if they are evil That's serving mammon. You're making a choice. You're either going to choose to serve God or you're going to choose to serve mammon. I was watching a television show here recently. And this person in this series, I was watching this on Netflix. And the, the guy is a driver. And the guy is a driver for this very wealthy man. And so this very wealthy man has an enemy. And the very wealthy man has an enemy that is trying to blackmail him. So he comes up with the concept that in order to get out of the blackmail, he needs to kill his enemy. The rich man has a chauffeur. And the chauffeur is loyal to his boss. The rich man asks the chauffeur to help him and that he expected loyalty. He comes and he says that, can you be trusted? And that it's just a matter of loyalty. And so what the rich man asked of his chauffeur, he asked his chauffeur, I need you to kill my enemy. And the chauffeur turns around and he looks at him. And I'm saying as I'm watching this show, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Can you imagine in the mind of the chauffeur, and I haven't seen beyond that segment, but can you imagine in the mind of the chauffeur, the things that are going on, his mind probably had to be racing. I know this is a TV show, but if it were to come up, your mind would be racing. Here it is, my boss. I've always been loyal to my boss. I've always done everything that my boss wants me me to do. My boss got my paycheck. Can you imagine? He's saying, I got all these bills that I need to pay. I got a family that I need to take care of. I'm pulling this to the real world. 
And my boss has asked me to do this thing. I've always, I've worked for him for years. I've always been loyal. But he's asking me to do something that God says, I, I, I know that God ain't told me to do that. What do you do when you got in this situation? You can't serve two masters. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve mammon? Are you going to look out for the riches, the things, and the prestige, and the connection that he has with his boss? Or is he going to gravitate towards his God? What is he going to do? God is asking us that same question. What are we going to do? Are we going to serve the riches of this world? And just like the treasures that he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where men can't break through and steal. Is he going to lay down his conscience? And are we going to serve mammon? Or are we going to serve God? We got to make a choice. We got to make a choice. We got to make a choice. You cannot serve two masters. Your best bet is to serve God. Amen. You might lose some things. But I guarantee you that if you make the right choice in your life, God is going to always bless you. Amen. Cannot serve God and mammon. Keep that in your mind. Make the right choice in life. Choose God. Let's look at that eight concept that he talked about. And let's go to verse number 25. And this is what he's talking about. Verse 25. He's talking about don't take no thought for your life. And what is he talking about in this whole concept? Don't worry about being taken care of, just like I said. And that's why he's coming from mammon going to this. Because if you got to make the hard choices in life, you got to let your light shine, God's going to take care of you. Amen. Hallelujah. God is going to take care of you, child of God. Somebody out there who's listening to this Bible study, you needed to hear that. God is going to take care of you. And then just say it after me. God is going to take care of me. Come on, be be confident in the Lord. Know that God is going to take care of you. So let's look at concept eight. It says in verse 25 of Matthew six, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than the meat. Amen. And the body, the raiment. Then he talks about birds in the air in verse 26. They don't reap. Uh Uh-huh. They don't sow. They don't gather in the barns. But the Lord feeds them. Amen. He talks about you can't by thinking add any uh, thing to your stature. He's talking about why take you thought for raiment. And then he talks about consider the lilies of the field. How talking about how they grow and they don't toil. But even Solomon, the richest man on the world, he wasn't arrayed like one of the lilies that God has out here. He talked about we can be concerned about clothes and all this stuff. That stuff is gonna wither away. He uses the concept of the grass. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow because it's burned up in the in the heat of the day. That, that's what he's talking about in verse 30. So you, you don't need to be worried about clothes and fashion. 
Then he asked a question, oh, ye of little faith, when you're worried. So when you got to make these choices with God, he's giving the reassurance that I'm going to take care of you. Anybody out there listening to me that you having a hard time, God going to take care of you. You watch and see. I, I used to worry years ago when I was raising my daughter how I was going to make ends meet. I didn't have governmental support. I didn't have child support. And it was just me and my job, me and my daughter. But I found a concept. Wow, when I used to worry, hallelujah, I found out something. God always took care of me. Yes, he did. Lord always helped me. The Bible declares, take no thought. In verse 31, he says, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Because you, you better than a bird. Hallelujah. He fed the birds, he'll feed you. Amen. He said, what shall we drink? Hallelujah. He says, what shall we be clothed? You're not a lily, but he's going to take care of you. He says, for all these things, I'm in verse number 32. All these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. So, he said he shall supply every need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. So if I got a need and I got a father, my father's going to supply my needs. Amen. Your needs, my needs, the saints needs. Amen. When my father was alive, I didn't worry about whether or not I was going to eat. I didn't worry about the roof over my head. My father took care of that. Amen. So we got a a, a, a a earthly father, but we got a better heavenly father. Amen. We know our heavenly father's going to take care of us. Hallelujah. 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 And so we got that trust and that assurance in him. And I'm getting ready to wrap up this Bible study because I'm a little bit over my time. But it says, let's look at that last concept we see here. Let's look at concept number nine. He's talking about, but first seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So we seek to please the heavenly father. We seek to be in fellowship with him. We seek to operate by that Holy Spirit, the government living on the inside of us. You have a whole kingdom on the inside of you. God is backing you up, child of God. You are under a sovereign king, a sovereign king named Jesus, our almighty God. Hallelujah. And you got a helper on the inside. Hallelujah. And that government of God, it works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, somebody. God's, God's kingdom works. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, we just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. We just say thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I had to take that praise break right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So we seek in God in his kingdom. So 
When we do our alms deeds, God, we seek in you. We want your approval, God, not man's approval. Oh, God, when we pray into you, God, we want your approval, oh, God. Hallelujah. Oh, God, when we're saying, Lord, I forgive them, God. We're seeking the kingdom of God. Oh, Lord, we're trying to live by the standards of God, oh, God. When we fast, oh, God. Oh, God, we're doing it, oh, God, for you. Hallelujah. Oh, God, when we laying up treasures, God, we don't get caught up in money and wealth and prestige and power, God. Hallelujah. But we're caught up in you. We've made a choice, God, that you are our master, oh, God. Hallelujah. We're not worried, oh, God, because we know, God, that you're going to take care of us. So we seek in him in the kingdom. We seek in the please the father. Lord, we know you're going to meet our needs. We don't worry. The Bible declares, take no thought for tomorrow. Meaning that I go to bed at night. I know that God's got my provision today. I know that God is going to speak to me and show me what to do. And I do my part. God's going to do that part that I can't do. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. God will do his part if you do yours. Amen. God will be walking right beside you. You do what you do. God will do what he does. Amen. Because that's how our father is. Amen. He says in that 34th verse, and I'm done. He says, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. So in other words, live one day at a time. Don't be all worried and anxious. Don't be all fretful and scared. Don't let the enemy come in and speak lies to your head. Your heavenly father is going to take care of you. I speak this to anybody out there who's going through a situation. God got this. It says, take no thought. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So, child of God, don't worry about it. God got you. God got you. God got you. You're going to be all right. I just wanted to give you a word. And we're talking about how Jesus was teaching and preaching on that sermon on the mount. Hallelujah. God got you, child of God. You're going to be all right. Don't worry about it. God got you. God got you. When you go to bed tonight and you go about your day, you be in peace. God got you. Hallelujah. So we studied today out of Matthew 6, chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, a part of that Sermon on the Mount. So I hope that I have said something of encouragement to you today. And I'm asking you to subscribe to my podcast. And I'm also asking you to do me a favor. Share my podcast with somebody. You never know who needs to hear this message. And there is an anointing on it when you share the message. When you help me to spread the gospel, you are the evangelists and you are the witnesses for Jesus Christ. So thank you for listening to this broadcast. And until we meet again, I want you to be blessed. And just know you're going to be all right. This has been Evangelist Valerie Laurie with Proclaiming the Word of God. Until we meet again, be blessed and bye-bye.